You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org. Well, like Austin said, my name is Zach Cunningham, and I am the new associate college pastor here. And I'm honored and humbled, excited uh, to get to serve you guys that way and hang out. Um, and I'm also uh, honored to get to teach tonight, and I kind of want to tell you how those two things uh, came to be. Uh, about a month ago, Austin texted me and said, hey, man, I want you to teach at Overflow. And I'm like, well, first off, I'm like taken aback, and I'm like thinking about all of you guys right now and like looking into your eyes as I'm up here. And I said, I text Austin, and I said, dude, no way, are you kidding? And no lie, immediately he texts back and says, yeah, I'm just kidding. And, <laughs> and so I text him back, and I'm like, dude, what? What are you, serious? And then finally he like made it obvious that I was going to teach. Um, and then uh, like a week later, he, he shot me another text, and he was like, after he had figured out the direction he wanted us to go, he said, hey, so I want you to teach through 1 Timothy 3, uh, 1 Timothy 1, 3 to 18. 1 Timothy 1, 3 to 18. Not 2 Timothy 1, 1 Timothy 1, 3 to 18. I studied that passage for a month, and I even had half a sermon prepared for it, Austin. Um, and it wasn't until about three weeks ago when I was boarding my plane to Peru, I gave Austin a call. And I said, hey man, I'm boarding my plane, checking out for two weeks, uh, but don't worry. I got my sermon prepared for 1 Timothy 1, 3 to 18. And he said, uh, did you say 1 Timothy? I said 2 Timothy, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, 2 Timothy. Did I say 1 Timothy? Uh, and I didn't tell him until after I had got back from Peru um, that I had prepared a sermon for 1 Timothy. Um, so if anybody wants to hear a sermon on the chief of sinners, uh, let me know. Um, so, but, but I say that because I've had about a week and a half, so bear with me. Uh, I'm nervous. Uh, I might look down. I'm going to talk with my hands. Uh, I might talk fast, um, but I'm excited that the Lord might use me to teach you guys. Um, and then after my uh, crazy trip to Peru, he brought me in his office, uh, and he said, hey, I want you to be the new associate college pastor. And I immediately said yes. I did not ask him if, I was, if he was kidding, and I didn't even give him a chance to say he was kidding. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy 1. Uh, and while you're doing that, I kind of want to tell you uh, about my trip to Peru. Um, three weeks ago, I got to go with Pine Cove, a camp. Pine Cove's here. I got to go, oh, Tyler. I got to go with Pine Cove on commission camping to Peru. Um, we partnered with a Peruvian organization to put on a church camp for the kids there. Um, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, talking about Peru. Some of you have heard me talk about Peru a lot, and you're like, here we go again. Um, well, buckle up, because we're going back. Um, but, but I won't spend a lot of time talking about what God did in the hearts of me, my team, or even the kids there. But what I do want to kind of spend a little time on is, is the trip back, my, my, my travel back from Peru to the United States. Um, and so after about a week of camp and two days of traveling, um, where we got to see like a cool waterfall, I got to see, we went to the beach, um, we finally had plans to, to, get, to go home. And so we were going to leave, um, this is Wednesday, we had a flight from Arequipa, that's where we were staying, Arequipa, Peru, and then we were going to fly from Arequipa to Lima, and then from Lima, we had a quick turnaround to go to Houston, and then from Houston to Dallas. 
And that was the plan. So after a week of camp, traveling, we got on a bus, we went to, uh, went to the airport. And there's 18 of us, so we go in to the airport, and we bring all our luggage to, like, a corner. We lay it down, uh, and we're all, like, hanging out because there's 18 of us. Um, and so has anybody in here ever traveled out of the country before? Raise your hand. Oh, my gosh. Has anybody been to Peru? You, you've been to Peru? Okay, did you happen, I don't know, by chance get, like, wildly sick when you got back from Peru? Okay, it's just me and the other people on my team. Well, I'll say this, uh, and I'll say this point. 17 out of 18 of us were sick, and I was probably the worst. Um, and my Pinecoat people who, who will be watching this sometime uh, will know and attest to this that I was, like, laying on the ground in that airport about to die. Um, and so I'm in the airport. I am sick. And uh, TJ and Katie, they were our trip leaders, and they are trying to get our tickets. There's 18 of us. They did this on the way down. We kind of just hang out, and they get the tickets. Well, it's taken a while. And so one of my friends, Trevor, uh, he had the movie Holes on his phone. Uh, he's like, hey, guys, want to watch Holes while we wait? And we're like, oh, yeah, of course. Who doesn't? Um, and so we're watching Holes. So we're in the airport. I'm dead sick. We're watching Holes. And then after about an hour ago, or an hour or so, um, we start to notice TJ was on the phone. We're like, why is TJ on the phone? Katie's like looking frantic. She's running around. Um, and finally, they call us together. And we're all laying there sick, watching holes. And uh, shout out, Shia LaBeouf. We're sitting there, and, uh, uh, and, and they gather us together, and they say, prepare your hearts. Now, when somebody says prepare your hearts, <laughs> you, you assume the worst. And so we did, and they said, TJ, TJ came, and he said, um, our flight to Lima doesn't exist. Our flight to Lima doesn't exist. Now, if our flight to Lima doesn't exist, then that means our flight to Houston isn't possible. And if our flight to Houston isn't possible, then our flight to Dallas isn't possible. And that means we're not going back to the States. And so we're sitting there and we're, you know, we're piecing together that logic. And then uh, some of the, the group with us are super optimistic. They're like, oh, we'll get flights tonight. We'll fly to Lima. We'll get to Dallas tomorrow. It'd be perfect. And I look at Trevor, and Trevor looks at me, and he says, do you know how hard it is to get 18, 18 international flights like this? Um, it's, it's extremely hard. It's, it's not possible. Um, and, and we figure that out because TJ comes back and he says, prepare your hearts. We do um, again. And, and, they, and he said, um, he instructed us to send news home that we were, for all intents and purposes, stranded in Peru. Who's, who gets stranded in Peru? So I get TJ's phone. He has an international plan. And I text Cole, my twin brother. He's in the audience. And I said, Cole, I need you to tell Jordan, Austin, and the family that our flight to Arequipa, or our flight to Lima, didn't exist, and we're stuck in Peru for an unknown time. <laughs> tell Austin I can still teach Sunday, but I, won't, but I won't be able to make staff meeting tomorrow. And this is what Cole said, and this is true. I, 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 put, I typed it up. He said, you ain't playing, huh? <laughs> I don't know where Cole is, but he said that. And anyways, long story short, there I am, stranded in Peru. I'm sick. Um, and to make a longer story short, um, our best bet home was an 11-hour bus ride through the mountains of Cusco. And then when we were in Cusco, we had to, like, hope and, by the grace of God, find flights to Lima. 
um, which we did after half a day. So nine of us got to go, and then the other nine got to go to Lima. Now we're in Lima. TJ says, prepare your hearts. So we prepare our hearts. Um, we had to split up into four groups to get home. My, my group, me, Carson, and Marshall, uh, had to um, leave at 3 a.m. the next morning, where we would fly to San Salvador, El Salvador. And then from El Salvador, we would fly to Dallas. Um, and that was the easiest route. There was a group who had to fly to Miami later that day, and then from Miami to Birmingham and uh, New Orleans. There was a group that had to fly to Costa Rica, and then to Houston, where they had a shuttle to Dallas, which I bet sucked, you guys. Uh, <laughs> and then the worst group, well, the worst group was this, and they had to fly, they had to wait a whole day. So I, I was already in Dallas about like half a day. They had to fly to Newark, New Jersey, which is a seven-hour flight, have a five-hour layover, and then fly to Houston, where they would shuttle to Dallas. And they got home like two days after I got home. And so the reason I tell you all that is not to tell you a story, but... Uh, kind of. Um, but while I was in the, the airport and I was sick, I was watching holes, uh, I had a flight to Lima that, that didn't exist. I texted my brother a little text message and I, and I told him that I wasn't going to be home for a while, but I wanted to tell him what, uh, what I needed to say. And in a similar way, Paul, that's what Paul's doing, right? Paul is in jail. He's about to die. He's in a hole. Uh, <laughs> And he has no way out. And he has no way out. And so he, he sends Timothy a letter. And this is his last letter before he dies, Second Timothy. Um, and so whatever's in this letter is something he wanted Timothy to know um, before he died. Like Austin said last week, uh, this letter has a sense of, a sense of urgency to it. And um, so we're going to see exactly what he says. Um, read with me in verse 1. Um, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace uh, from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so we got Paul. He's in jail. He's about to die. He's sending this letter to Timothy. So whatever follows this is really important. Um, so what I'm going to do now, I'm about to read a huge chunk of scripture. So follow along, uh, and then we'll chop it up. And so here's what Paul is telling Timothy. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers, not in day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. For I know, I know whom I have, I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me, and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for this day. Um, we thank you for your word, that we get to study it. I ask that you would 
Uh, speak through me. Open our eyes to your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's what I want to do. Uh, I'm going to build, or I want to tell you what I think is the main point of this passage. The main point of this passage. And everything else um, in this passage is either going to um, argue for or explain or support this main idea. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And we're going to keep going back to this. Here's what it is. Timothy, feed the flame of God's gift of unashamed courage to speak openly about Christ and unwavering strength to suffer for the gospel. Again, Timothy, feed the flame of God's gift of unashamed courage to speak openly about Christ and unwavering strength to suffer for the gospel. Okay, so that's going to be the main point. And I'm going to try to, uh, to show it to you in the text. Because what I think the main point is, the associate college pastor at First Denton Church does not matter. What matters is if you see it, if you see it here. And I'm going to try my best and argue my case that that is what this passage is about. Timothy, keep feeding the flame of God's gift in your life, namely of unashamed courage to speak openly about Christ and unwavering strength to suffer for the gospel. Um, let's look at the text, uh, starting in verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you. That I may be filled with joy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure it dwells in you as well. Okay, we're going to stop right here for uh, a pretty big uh, point, and, and here's why. Because um, what, what uh, Paul just said to Timothy is, is important. It's, it's a sincere faith, and this is going to set up uh, the, whole, the whole book, and, and definitely this, this chapter. Uh, and I'm going to show you why that, that Paul is going to build on this sincere faith. Um, he's going to say, Timothy has sincere faith. And then look at verse 6. For this reason. Okay, he just made a deduction, right? Because you have sincere faith, bam, right? And then look at verse 8. Therefore, he does it again. So because you have sincere faith, for this reason, therefore. My whole main point, Timothy, keep feeding the flame of God's gift in your life. Uh, namely of unashamed courage to speak openly about the gospel and strength to suffer for the gospel is also built on Timothy having sincere faith. Sincere faith. And, and, and there's another point here, and I'm going I'm to stay here just for a little bit and I'm going to keep going. Um, but because Paul is building this whole letter on Timothy's sincere faith, we need to stop and ask, um, what is sincere faith? What is sincere faith? Um, I grew up in the church um, I, w- I was that guy. My grandpa is a pastor, um, and so it didn't matter what was going on on Sunday. I was in church. Uh, I, no matter how many times I told my mom I was too tired or too sick, um, she got me dressed and pushed us to church. Uh, and I went to Sunday school where I uh, recited John 3.16 about a thousand times. I learned uh, two songs on how to memorize the books of the Bible. Um, and then at 11 a.m. on the dot, I would head to that back corner of our church and I, would, and I would sit down, and I would put my head in my hands, and I'd go to sleep. I, uh, I went on mission trips. Um, I, uh, I went on, uh, I went to church camp. I even wore a cross necklace for three years straight. 
Um, as a matter of fact, there's not one picture in my junior or senior year yearbook where I am not wearing that cross necklace. Um, it was James Avery, for crying out loud. Um, I, but I say that because I talk the talk, and I even walk like this skeleton Christian walk. Um, but the point is, uh, for, for 18 years of my life, more like 19 years of my life, I rode the coattails of my parents and my grandparents' faith. I, I rode it all the way home. I rode it to church. I rode it to these mission trips. Um, I even wore that cross necklace because I convinced myself I had sincere faith. But listen to this one. This one's, this one's really important. And if you only hear one thing during this part of my sermon, this is it. I even professed faith in Jesus Christ because of my family's faith. I even professed faith in Jesus Christ because of my family's faith. The fact that the very thing that God has designed for salvation, belief in Jesus Christ and repentance of sin, can be faked is a scary thing. The fact that the very thing that God designed for salvation can be faked is a horrible thing. And I know it can be faked because I did it. And it's true. Um, I say all that because, um, look at the text, uh, flip over to chapter 3. Uh, verse 15, 2 Timothy three fifteen, It says, um, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy had been taught by Eunice and Lois, his grandmother and mom. These women had taught him uh, about Jesus. They taught him about Jesus. But my point is back in chapter 1, verse 5, when it says this, It says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Listen, there was a point in Timothy's life when he made his grandmother's faith and his mom's faith his own, his own saving faith. Um, And I'm going to move on from this point, I promise, um, but with this simple question, and it's a question that comes from deep inside my heart because it's personal and I care. Do you have sincere faith? Or are you living in your parents' faith? Do you have sincere faith, or are you living in your parents' faith? And oh, oh, how I long that you would make your faith your own. Um, Timothy, because of your sincere faith, because it is yours and yours alone, I urge you to feed the flame of God's gift of unashamed courage to speak openly about the gospel and unwavering strength to suffer for the gospel. Um, but let's move on. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 8. Uh, starting in verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of his prisoner, nor of me, his prisoner, um, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Okay, now I want to look at these words, um, fan the flame. Your Bible might say kindle afresh, or it might say stir up. Um, I'm assuming most of you in here have been camping before. Uh, and I know a hundred of you came to our freshman camp out last semester. Um, so when you go camping, uh, you usually roll up um, to your camping spot. Uh, and uh, you immediately, or some point in time, you get your tent out and you put up your tent in the designated tent spot. Uh, or if you're feeling like real brave and like hipster, you get your, you know, or you're like 
hammock and put it up, and he's nodding his head. <laughs> um, but yeah, and you find the right trees that are the right distance apart, and then you freeze to death. Um, <laughs> but what do you do then? Uh, you might, there's, there's, there's a few things you could do. You could, you could set your grill up if, if this is going to be like a grilling camp out. Um, you could play cornhole like we did, um, or t- toss a frisbee around. But eventually, for this to be a camp out, you've got to make a fire, right? You, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got to make a fire. But so you, you pick your designated campfire spot, <laughs> campfire spot and you, you go get wood, right? You go get maybe like a log and like a few like sticks so that you can make like this cool teepee fire, like for a cool picture. Um, but then you start the fire, whether that's by using four things of lighter fluid like we did, or if you were a Boy Scout or something and you can make a fire using like the twigs and like witchcraft, that, uh, <laughs> it's impossible. Um, but either way, don't, you, you have to get, you got to get the fire going, right? But, if, and this is my point, um, if you're camping for more than, I don't know, 25 minutes, um, it's not enough to just get the fire started, right? Um, if you're going to stay up all night like we did, wherever Jared, Jared is, um, you've got, and, yeah, you've got to keep the fire going all night. And to do that, you've got to keep adding wood to it. You've got to keep adding fuel to it or else it will go out. Um, there must be a continuous source of fuel for that fire to keep going, right? Um, it doesn't matter how big the fire is. UNT has a bonfire every year. But uh, eventually, even that big of a fire is going to run out if it's not tended to. Um, So look at verse 6 again. Um, It says, For this reason I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God. So Paul is telling Timothy to to kindle afresh, like kick around, or to to fan the flame of the gift of God. Um, Stir up the fire. Get a stick and poke some logs around. Um, Throw some lighter fluid on it. Fan it. Give it oxygen. Um, Feed it, Timothy. Feed it. Flames go out without a continuous fuel. Um, But the question is, so what is this... What is this fire, right? So what is it? Well, look at verse 6 again. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Okay, so Timothy's been given a gift, right? He has a gift. Um, it includes fire. Um, but what is it? What is the gift? Well, uh, remember the main idea. Timothy, feed the flame of God's gift of unashamed courage to speak openly about Christ and unwavering strength to suffer for the gospel. Look at verse 7 and verse 8. Um, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed. Okay, it says God, God gave, right? God gave. That means it's a gift. He gave us a spirit not of fear, and if it's not of fear, if you're not supposed to be afraid, then you're supposed to be brave. A spirit of courage. He wants you to be courage. Uh, he gives them a spirit of, uh, of power, love, and self-control. A spirit of powerful courage, loving courage, self-controlled courage. And the reason I put courage in there after all of those uh, attributes or, or nouns or whatever is because the next verse, therefore, do not be ashamed. If you're not ashamed of something, you're, you're in it. You're, you're courageous, right? So he's given them this gift of unashamed courage. Timothy has been given a spirit of unashamed courage, but what's that courage for? Um, we'll, we'll keep reading. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, 
but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Okay, so Timothy's been given this courage, and this courage is to specifically not be ashamed to speak openly about Christ and to not be ashamed of the shameful circumstances like imprisonment, right? He's supposed to be courageous um, to share in the sufferings of the gospel, um, but how is he going to do it? How is he going to share in the suffering for the gospel? Look at um, the end of verse 8. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. How is Timothy going to share in the suffering for the gospel? By the power of God. How is he going to be able to um, be courageous when he's speaking openly about Christ? By the power of God. And how is he going to fan the flame, feed the fire? It's by the power of God. Right? And so if, if, the, fire, if the fire is uh, courage and strength... And, uh, and he's supposed to feed it with something. And, and if, if the Spirit of God is what gives him that courage of strength, then the, the power of God is the fuel to that fire. The power, to, the power of God is what's going to give him the courage and give him the strength. So what is the power of God? Because if we know what the power of God is, then it's going to help Timothy and it's going to help us speak openly about Christ and to suffer. So what is the power of God? Uh, flip your Bible over left to Romans 1. Romans 1, and we're, we're trying to answer the question, what is the power of God? Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to all who would believe, to the Jews first, and also to the Greek. Did you catch it? For I am not, what is the power of God? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. So if the gospel is the power of God, and the power of God is what gives us courage to speak about the gospel and to suffer for the gospel, then this is what Paul is telling Timothy. Timothy, you feed your flame with the gospel so that you will have courage to speak openly about the gospel. And so you will have strength to suffer for the gospel. That's what he's telling them. Look at verse 8 again, and now look for it. Look at verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, the gospel, but nor of, his, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, the gospel. So what is, so what is the gospel? Because if we want to teach people about Jesus, we need courage. And we need strength to suffer for Jesus. And if we're going to do that, we must constantly be, f- be fed like a fire. We must constantly be fed by the gospel. So what is the gospel? Look at the next few verses. Look at verse 8. Uh, we'll, start in, we'll start at the very end of verse 8. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. I want to look at five different things in this little uh, chunk. Um, 
Now I want you to, I want you to look at who's doing it and what the action is. We're going to reread it, starting in verse uh, 9. The power of God who saved us. God, God saved us and called us. God called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us. God gave us grace in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death, God abolished death, and brought life and immortality to light. God brought life and immortality. Um, if God saved us, that means he saved us from something. So what did he save us from? Well, look at verse 10. It says he abolished death. He abolished death. Now, if God saved us from death, that means that we deserve death. And so you may be asking yourself or saying to yourself, I'm a good person. I didn't deserve death. Um, Well, then I submit to you that the Bible says in Romans 3 and Romans 6 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that all are worthy of death. Right? And so we deserve death. The Bible teaches that. And the truth is, we either currently are, or at some point in our life, were an enemy of God. And so what does it mean to be an enemy of God? Uh, Romans 1 says that we exchange the glory of God for, the, for, the, for an image. We exchange the glory of God for an image. Um, and that we worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator um, who is blessed forever. That's why we're enemies of God. And in the simplest form, I can, I can even think to say it. We deserve death because we told God something else deserved more praise. We deserve death because we told God that we deserve more praise. But what does verse 9 say God did for us? He saved us. He saved us. So why did he do it? Well, look at verse 9. Um, he saved us and called us to a holy calling. And here's why. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. God saved us, but not because of our works. Not because we are good people, not because we did this good thing or we came to this church service. Not because we prayed a prayer and asked Jesus into our heart. God saved us because of it, was, it was his grace and it was his purpose. God saved us to make his name great and to make his grace glorified. Ephesians 2 says this, that God being rich in mercy because of the great love that he had for us, um, not because of our own works. Um, when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive with Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. Listen, listen to me. This may be the most important thing I say all night. You can do absolutely nothing to save yourself. Absolutely nothing to save yourself. You can't go to church. You can't memorize the Bible. You can't go to seminary. You can't go on mission trips. You can't even teach millions of people about Jesus Christ, have those millions of people put their faith and be saved in Jesus Christ, and in doing so, earn your way to heaven. You can't. Nothing you can do um, can save you, but God can. Those five things, um, God did all of them. He saved us. God called us. God gave us grace. God abolished death. And God gave life. A famous quote from Jonathan Edwards, he's a pastor in the 1700s. He said this You contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. 
I want, you, I want you to hear that. You contributed nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. If God didn't save us, we would be dead in our sins, and I would, I would be dead in my sins. But thank God for salvation. So what did he do? He gave us Jesus to die on the cross and to be raised from the dead, and in doing so, he abolished death and he gave life. That's the gospel. That's the fuel to the fire. You set up camp there, and you never leave camp. Timothy, feed the flame of God's gift of unashamed courage to speak openly about Christ and unwavering strength to suffer for the gospel. Just like a fire can never get um, so big uh, that it doesn't need fuel, your courage and your strength to speak about Jesus and to suffer for Jesus can never be so big that you leave the gospel. Just like a fire never outgrows its need for, a, for the fuel, you can never outgrow your need for the gospel. Listen, you can never, ever, ever, ever outgrow your need for the gospel. When you were in your mother's womb, you needed the gospel. When you were dead in your sins, you needed the gospel. Listen, when you were in church your whole life, you needed the gospel. And listen to this. When you were a Christian... Saved by the gospel, you still need the gospel. You still need the gospel. You always have, currently do have, and always will have a need for the gospel. Leaving Christ would be like a dead man being attached to a machine that gave him life, and then the idiot trying to ditch the machine that gave him life. You don't get Christ and need something more. That's garbage. I say all this because I know as, as Christians, we like to receive Christ and be saved, believe the gospel, and now we need something else. That makes no sense. We, 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 if we just do this service, go on this mission trip, read this book, show up to this overflow, I will receive something more. Like I know, um, I know there's some Christians or some people in here, rather, five minutes ago when I was telling the gospel, you were numb to it. You were numb to it. You had heard it. You already know it by heart. You could probably even come up here and preach the gospel. I don't need this, that. Give me something practical. Give me something I can use. Listen, I'm here to tell you tonight that's the biggest lie you can ever tell yourself. You always have, currently do have, and always will have a need for the gospel. You need to preach the gospel to yourself every day. Pray that you will always remember the gospel. And be driven to your knees that God would save a sinner like us and sacrifice his son. You always need that. You want to grow closer to God? Feed yourself with the gospel. When Timothy was about to be tasked with going on the greatest mission trip ever, uh, when, when he was about to be told to go make disciples uh, amongst all nations, um, when he was about to go head-to-head with, uh, with suffering and, and with hardship, look what, look what t- Paul told him in 2 Timothy, 1, or 2 Timothy 2, 1. It says, my beloved child, be strengthened by the grace uh, in Jesus Christ. My beloved child, be strengthened by the gospel. You want to feel happy? You want joy? You want hope? You want to feel alive? Gospel. You want power? You want love? And you want self-control? Gospel. You want the courage to speak openly about Christ and the strength to suffer for the gospel? Feed your fire with the gospel. And when you don't think you can make it, Timothy, 
when you don't think you can breathe your last breath, let your last breath and let your last thought be on the gospel. If you're a Christian in here, I want you to hear this. You need the gospel. And if you aren't a Christian in here, I want you to hear this. You need the gospel. Don't ever stop feeding your your fire with the gospel. And when you do that, you will have courage. And when you do that, you will have strength. And when your fire is is blazing and it's big and you're looking at it and, and you're like high on it, you remember where that fire came from. Because it came by the power of God. And when your fire is big, or even if your fire is low, even if you don't feel a fire, you, you can proclaim this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not even spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give me all things? Who's going to bring a charge against me? It is God who justifies Who's the one who condemns? It is Christ Jesus who died. No, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me. What will separate me from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For as it is written, we're being put to death all day long. We're suffering for the gospel. But in all of those things, because of the gospel, I'm more more than a conqueror through all of those things. And when you believe the gospel, you can be convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor demon, um, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any height, nor debt, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate you from the love of Christ, which is Jesus Christ our Lord, which, which is the gospel. Timothy, you feed your fire with that. Let me pray. Thank you for listening to the Overflow Podcast. Please feel free to download and share with friends. We ask that you do not alter any of the previous content in any way. For more information about Overflow, feel free to visit us online at overflowdenton.org.